Now, in our continuing discussion of life in the millennium, uh, and just as a brief um, synopsis, to summarize what has been said before, the millennium certainly is a time when the earth is restored to the pre-fallen state of man. And with that, all the former things have passed away, sickness, sorrow, dying. Um, these things have been specifically uh, addressed. They, later on, uh, we're now in the 20th chapter of the book of Revelation, but it will tell us later on in chapter 21 that the former things have passed away. So conditions in the millennium will not be the same here. Uh, they will not be the same as when they were uh, in the earth in its fallen state. Um, scripture speaks, speak of 21, Revelation 21, saw a new heaven and a new earth. First heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. That's the first thing. So in the millennium there will be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things have passed away. Let me quickly provide a context here. Whereas we're just talking about the millennium, the scriptures at this juncture go back and forth between events that conclude the age and the condition of the earth with Satan bound. Now, when Satan is released out of the pit, war and conflict resume until he's destroyed. But for the millennial period and in the millennial period, there are certain definitive things that characterize life on the earth and it's renewed, it's renewed. And obviously it's renewed because God himself is dwelling with us in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherever he is, the realm is perfect. Why? Because he is the perfection in that realm. The reason God is not manifested to us in a form like humans at the moment or at this present time is because 
we could not, we're not in a sufficiently um, renewed form to endure, to endure His presence. The form of the resurrection, I mean the form of the millennium, the form of humans in the millennium, whether you are brought out of heaven uh, and transformed in the twinkling of an eye, or you live on the earth, you're going to be living under the rule of Christ. And His mere presence His mere presence does not tolerate the existence of the spirit of death. So, and at the end of the millennium, when all final matters are judged, death and hell are destroyed along with all the rebellious mankind and all those who have been judged have been raised from the dead and judged. Now this process or this time and this condition is repeatedly referred to as the second death, the second death. You'll keep in mind that in this life and at this time, in this epoch, it is appointed unto men once to die. That is to say, a lifespan consistent with the purposes of God in which we are to learn obedience by the things we suffer and suffering being the primary instrument of teaching us things and maturing us, it's appointed that we should die but in the coming age we will not die. We will not die because that appointment ceases with the return of the Lord. For the righteous we assure that we'll be changed in an instant in the twinkling of an eye if we are alive. If we died, the body that was sown in weakness is now raised in strength the body that was sown in mortal body is now an immortal body. Much like Jesus wore when He was resurrected from the dead. So for the righteous, we live in the millennium in an indestructible form. What I do not know is whether this also is true of those who have never received Christ or those who are disobedient. But we do know that they will be on the earth until they are destroyed if they continue to reject Christ, those who have never received Him. We also do know that those who received Him will be perfected in the millennium under the, with this rod of iron so we know they will not be destroyed. We also know that certain the remnants of the demonic realm will be destroyed in something described as a lake of fire. 
which is a condition of perpetual of, of death. It's a condition of separation from God. And I don't want to get into that just yet. I will in the concluding um, messages on this period of time. So what I hold out as a question mark is the con- it, what is the actual condition? What, in what body will they come? who remained alive but disobedient to God. We do know that the ones who accepted Christ but for whatever reason did not go on and allow themselves to be disciplined and changed so that they might be transformed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the return of the Lord or when they died they were resurrected in this indestructible form. Um, uh, Of that, uh, my conviction is that because the spirit, even of those who are disobedient sons, because their spirit goes to heaven and are brought back, resurrected some to glory and glorification, some attended by shame and uh, uh, because they did not finish but now will be finished, uh, they will be excluded from the city. And I want to put brackets around that because I do want to talk about when the city arrives, they'll be excluded from the city because they're appointed a portion with the unbelievers. They're not unbelievers, they're sons of God, but they were disobedient in varying degrees of disobedience. Some stubborn and intractable, others ignorantly disobedient who had they known all the truth and or had they applied the truth in their lives would not have been judged to be disobedient. So there are degrees of that and I think that will determine the process by which and the timeliness in which they do come into their rest. Whoever has had his name written in the Lamb's Book of Life will be part of the redeemed of the earth. But the millennium is for some the finishing of the work of redemption, the finishing of saving the soul. Here it will not be by grace through faith, there is no requirement of faith. That which is seen is not, doesn't require faith and the Lord Jesus Christ will be seen as He is in His glory and ruling with a rod of iron, it doesn't require faith. That's why it requires strict obedience and choice will have been, will have been banished. Now then, the thousand years is less I believe, about redeeming the disobedient sons and more 
and more about perfecting the body of Christ in rule. You're not perfected in rule if you're ruled over. You're perfected in rule when you exercise rule. So I believe the work of saving the soul is meant to be complete well before the millennium and persons be brought in as they are perfected and exactly by what process that happens, I can't, I can't speak of that at this point and mostly because I don't know. Um, but I do know that the fashion of that is operational presently in this world and that is through the stages of sonship as you mature, you're given more to rule over. And I believe in the millennium because the rule is strict, as you are ruled over with a rod of iron, as you give in to that rule. And at that point, the heart, nobody's heart is hidden, so God knows. And more to the point, we know as we, as we are known. So when we shall see Him, we shall be like Him, we shall know even as we are known. So none of this is going to be hidden. The millennium is not a time of darkness. If someone remains intractable for an extended period of time, that will be known. If someone breaks and is pretty immediately willing and obedient and eager to learn and eager to comply, all of that, then it is reasonable for us to assume on the basis of what is presently true that whenever we finish one stage, He naturally brings us to another stage as in from glory to glory. There's, that's the operational principle now. And whether God has a different principle uh, by which to bring people into, into their states of being finished, I can't say definitively that that is true, so I'd rather rely on the process that He now utilizes and on that basis I would say it's not going to take a thousand years for all those He has received as sons who are weak now, disobedient now and, and did not allow the work to be finished, I don't believe it will take a thousand years for them to be finished. And indeed because the point and the purpose of the millennium is to teach, is to perfect that which He has received as sons, to perfect the body of Christ in rule, then it is imperative that sufficient time and opportunity be given to those disobedient but remediated to come into positions of rule and to rule. One of the things we know that is a great motivator that has been said to us is that the ones who received Christ but did not go on and allow Him to mature them by suffering remain in an infantile state and are not capable of ruling. Um, so they're assigned a portion 
with the unbelievers. And that's different from coming out of the city which is, which is actually the description of the form that the bride takes and the corporate residence, if you prefer, of that which uh, rules and reigns with Christ. So all rule and all authority in the millennium will remain with Christ. Whatever rule is apportioned to those who live in the city with him will be according as he will have distributed rule, much like he does it now. The intent of that is ultimately everyone will have the full quotient of the experience of ruling necessary in order for us to go on into the next period beyond the millennium. We know there is such a thing, the next period beyond the millennium, because it says, when all rule has been put under the feet of Jesus, he will hand up the kingdom to the Father. And so God will be all in all. Now what that means, I'm not going to unpack just yet. I may before I'm done with the series on the book of Revelation. So we know there's beyond the millennium and we know that it's important in this stage, it's important that we be perfected in rule, that is in the millennium that we be perfected in rule. Just like now in this stage, in this stage, we are meant to learn obedience by the things we suffer. Let me take a moment and speak to the importance of obedience, learning obedience by the things we suffer. Because that's the condition in which we'll end up in the millennium and those who end up in the city in the millennium will have learned obedience by the things they suffer. What exactly is that? What does it mean? How is it helpful? in our preparation for learning to rule. Mostly we presently live by grace, by grace through faith. Grace is an, is an economy designed to compensate for deficits and we all start out walking with God with a deficit, a deficit of understanding, deficit of knowledge, a deficit of application, a deficit of experience. So we, we're not expected when we start out walking with God, we're not expected to, uh, to function any differently from being deficient. That's what it means to have a deficit, we're deficient. Grace compensates, fills up the measure of what is lacking. Grace compensates for that deficiency. We love grace because it also speaks of the mercy of God. 
But most believers stay at the level of relying upon both grace and mercy. Mercy speaks of the vastness of the love of God. But the intent of God is to make us to be like Him, like Him, not merely living out of what He hands to us. So if we are to be like Him, we are meant to transition from recipients of mercy, which is God's compassion, and recipients of grace, which is God's economy, to being distributors of mercy and carriers of grace. We're meant to move up the line to that. The transition requires fundamentally a mindset change from living in the anticipation of seeing God's goodness to obeying God, to obeying God and presenting our bodies living sacrifices so that He may inhabit us, our persons, and be Himself resident within our persons so that when Christ, who is our lives, appears, He appears as us, He appears through us. So obedience transitions us from being consumers of God's, reliant upon God's mercy and consumers of God's grace to being carriers of God's person and distributors of His grace and mercy. Now what exactly is required to be obedient? You know, we learn obedience by the things we suffered. What is the process involved that transitions us from speaking glowingly, and we should speak glowingly of having experienced God's mercy and having experienced God's goodness. What transitions us from that to being radically obedient to Him? The answer is committing ourselves to whatever He says as if we are being ruled over by a rod of iron. You see? No discussion. The Holy Spirit shows us something, we do it. We're given revelation about a matter, we earnestly seek the understanding from God as to what He means by it. God shows us uh, deficiencies in ourselves, we fall upon the rock. We are voluntarily applying the rod of iron to ourselves. 
if we are obedient. Now why is it called a rod? It's not a stick to hit you with. It's a measuring stick. It's a template. Why is it called a rod of iron? Because in those days they understood that iron was hard to bend. So it is as if to say, the standard is not subject to modification because we want it to be so. We are therefore not attempting to justify ourselves or to modify whatever God says, but rather to obey it. Now, I understand that errant sons would say, this sounds very much like legalism. No, that's idiotic. That's idiotic. Legalism would be to apply, to attempt to under, apply the mere words in the way that we understand words to mean without understanding. But rule by a rod of iron that produces obedience, we understand what God is doing in the requirements that He states. We know the why, not just the what. And because of love, we love God, we love the ways of God, and though it cost us, we will lay down our lives to take up His in all the practicalities of that. That's why love is the greatest commandment and it begins with loving God in the way Jesus loved God. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. We are voluntarily in the matter of obedience we so trust God and we so love the nature of God that without being compelled by, by some external pattern of rule, as will be the case in the millennium, we voluntarily apply the intractable, unbendable standards of divine character and nature to ourselves when nobody is pressing us to be like that. When God offers the opportunity, offers the economy, one of the five graces I spoke about earlier on, the grace of exact grace of confirmation, the grace of maturation being another, and the grace of exact representation, we embrace that. And when we do, we choreograph both our minds, and our, but the, the thoughts of our minds, and we choreograph our activities to exactly represent that which we have been shown by God. So we don't need then to be perfected by a rod of iron. 
we will have already been perfected voluntarily in this life by our submission to that same form of rule which then becomes the norm for the millennium. And that's why we can be trusted as executors of, 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 his, uh, of his standard. We are the exousia, the executives of his dunamis, of his power and his rule, where we, where we can represent him because we will have learned to represent him in this life. Obedience is the model that Jesus showed us. Although he was a son, he learned obedience by the things he suffered and being made perfect. If you've seen me, you've seen my Father. Being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation. Many who despise being conformed to the will of God will attempt to set aside this disciplining process that produces obedience by labeling it legalism. Well, we'll find out one day how flexible is the standard, the rod, the measuring stick of iron. In the millennium, all will who have not been in this life conformed to that standard will be required to be conformed. Otherwise, they will be part of what Satan is used to flesh out. Satan's rebellion when he's released out of the pit will pull forth like a poultice, will appeal to all remaining resident disobedience in the populations of those who are ruled over at that time and will become the basis for the destruction as being like chaff of that remnant of humanity that given the opportunity to live under the rule of Christ would once again choose, as their forefather Adam did, would once again choose the deception of Satan. At that point there is no eternal purpose left to be fulfilled in them and they may be treated as the chaff which the wind drives away. So one of the principal purposes of the millennium is to perfect that which God means to use going forward and that perfection is by the rod of iron and those charged with executing that rule on behalf of Christ as the bride of Christ will have themselves been subject to that identical rule here and now except that it was not enforced upon them but instead for love of God, for the love of the nature of God and the ways of God and the character of God, they embraced it for themselves and ended up being refined and formed again into a mature expression of Christ 
so as to be said to be a man in the image and likeness of God himself. All right, we'll talk more about the millennium when I come back. Uh, Sam Solon, I'll see you then. Bye now.